episode 49. Uh, I'm your host, Pocholo Cruz, and with me today is my guest, uh, Izzy Narvez. Nice. Welcome back to the show, Izzy. I think it's been about, I think I interviewed you, it was February, like I think it was February 9th. But yeah, you were back then you were in Colombia, but now you are well, Colombia, the country, but now you are not. So, uh, quick question: Like, what happened? Where are you at now? Um, right now, I'm living in the like the greater Phoenix area. It's kind of like, um, <laughs> kind of like when you live in Bothell and you say you're from Seattle. It's not quite yeah. true. Um, I'm yeah. in a place called Mesa, which yeah. is like 30 minutes outside of Phoenix. Okay. Um, as far as what happened with Colombia, it was it was basically just kind of an experiment for me because all of my income is 100% online at this point. So, you know, basically the way that it works for most people is their income kind of scales to the cost of living of a particular city. You know, if you move, if you move to New York and you get a job there, you make more, but usually it costs more to live. Yeah. Um, in my situation, because it's online, it doesn't scale to any location. So, you know, if I can go to another place that basically has a lower cost of living, Mm -hmm. I am effectively making more money. And, um, Colombia, in particular, Medellin, the cost of living is roughly, I would say, three times less than um, your typical city in the U.S. Okay. So the goal out there was to just kind of experiment and see if um, I could get a similar quality of life. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, you can. I mean, um, I would say, like, as far as, like, the food and, and most of the services, it's yeah. pretty similar. Um, you obviously don't have access to things like Amazon, so that can be a little bit frustrating. Yeah. And it's uh, very important to know the local language. I would say working towards fluency is pretty critical, uh, especially in Medellin because there's just not a lot of English speakers. Tends okay. to be that, um, in Colombia anyway. There's more English speakers in like the capital. Uh, typically, people who are college educated are the only ones that speak English. Mm-hmm. And um, those are actually rarer in other countries versus ours where, you know, like 80% of people get a degree these days. Yeah. So what ended up happening is I just felt that in the long run, um, it wasn't worth it to, to continue living there just because there were certain deficits and the not necessarily the quality of life, to be honest with you. Quality of life was pretty similar, but for training purposes – having access to like quality gyms and um, the right types of food. And just like I said, being able to get like packages, mm-hmm. um, that, that was extraordinarily difficult there. I would have to like, for example, I'd have to, um, I hired a reshipper and I would have things sent to Miami, then yeah. to Bahamas, and then they would get sent to me and it would go through the local post, which was a, a shit show. Yes. Yeah. You would uh, never know if they would actually deliver anything, and half the time they wouldn't, and you'd have to go to, like, the post office and sit there for four hours and, like, figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. So a couple of things like that. And then um, the particular place that I picked, well, you know, five years ago, it was on a very – it was on a high, basically, where very low crime rates, tons of growth. And then in the last five years, kind of the word spread about Medellin mm-hmm. being like that. And now, once again, the crime is on the rise because – it's gotten out that uh, it's a tourist hotspot. So yeah, you know, I think between me and my two roommates, there were like anywhere between seven to eight either attempted robberies or successful robberies on us. Oh shit! Um, yeah, and everything from just pickpocketing to being drugged to being attacked with a knife. So it was it was just like probably I picked the wrong city to try that experiment. Um, it would probably be better to pick, you know, somewhere that's a little bit more expensive, just a bit, um, yeah. but still cheaper than any U.S. city, you know, maybe like half price. Yeah. And it would just require a little bit more research on my part, figuring out um, where exactly that would be. But the big things for me, um, this is a long answer, sorry. <laughs> the big things for me was uh, I'm yeah. not fluent in Spanish. Um, okay. I'm barely conversational, so I can do... I can order things and, and ask for directions and communicate commands and all of that, but making friends in Spanish is totally impossible for me because yeah, I, yeah. I don't know enough Spanish. I don't know Spanish well enough to communicate any kind of nuance. Mm-hmm. So that was the main thing for me was uh, it was very isolating. And then on top of that, more important to me than that was um, it wasn't safe. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I think I had two phones stolen. Uh, you just like you know, people are like, "Well, you can't take your phone out." out obviously. <laughs> oh wait. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Great. Great answer, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. So it's like I'm not interested in living in a place where like um, I was just basically. It seemed like I was a walking ATM to the locals. So yeah. you know, people try to rip you off all the time, like charge you literally ten times what they would charge a local for like a cab ride. It yeah. just gets tedious and. Yeah. Um, when you don't know Spanish, like, you, again, the issue with that is, like, nobody leaves a good impression except for, like, the people that speak English. And that was, like, less – that was 10% or less. Yeah. So every interaction you ha- that you remember is just, like, people trying to steal from you. Yeah. So I was – at the end of it, I was kind of like, fuck Colombia. I'm getting out of here. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's a lot of things on my end I could have done to make that better. But I just didn't think it was a good fit. It was a, a, a nice try. Um, yeah. I may try it again, but – I would do a lot more research and make sure that I pick a city that is more developed, safer, and um, yeah. I guess the last thing I'll say about that's kind of it's kind of interesting <laughs> is Medellin like exists in this rainforest basin. So if you imagine kind of like the shape of a bowl, okay, it's at the very center of that bowl, and then there's rainforest that kind of like goes up into mountains. Huh, interesting. So like yes. encompasses around it. Okay. Yes, in every direction. And the the higher you go up the mountains, the poorer the people are to the point where like if you ride like there's this um gondola type thing that goes to the very top. Okay. And as you ride up a bit, you can literally see the divisions of economics happening. Yeah. yeah. Until you get to the point where it's like people's houses are literally just like shacks and yeah. like you can see like their outhouse. Yeah. And you can see where some of them have like jerry rigged electricity from public wiring to their place so what ends up happening is people get like they steal motorcycles motos and then they ride down from the hills into medellin rob somebody flee back up into the hills and disappear and it doesn't matter if you get the license or anything and the police do anything because the bike was stolen in the first place exactly yeah well yeah coming from the philippines i know I know, like, pretty similar situation like that. And coming from the big city of Manila, there's, like, such a, you know, there's such a divide between, especially, you know, if you're used to, you know, if you're used to, like, what poverty level, like, is in the the U.S., it's, like, totally different when you go to countries uh, or when you go to different countries, especially, you know, ones that where people are are literally desperate enough like that. So, yeah, I'm I'm sure it'd be a, it's a, it's kind of a big shift. Yeah, it's crazy. Right. I mean, yeah. I think the Philippines is, is pretty similar, or maybe even worse, but the average monthly income in Colombia in U.S. dollars is like 250 Yeah, I think, I think it might be slightly better, but I don't know. There's just been such a rise because I saw relatives there, but there's just a, an alarming rise of gun violence, as people yeah. might have heard. But um, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's just different, and, then, and just also infrastructure-wise too. Just like we're talking about the convenience, it's yeah. There's nothing like uh, you know Amazon or you know FedEx, UPS, just infrastructure where the mailing or where getting packages is just so simple. That's like that's that's virtually like non-existent, like outside. <laughs> yeah, outside of I guess developed countries. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just felt like overall it was the. Uh, you know, because I do think it's a it's a an interesting concept. You know, to to um, kind of live abroad if you have an online income, because that way, obviously, it, it's just like it's seriously like giving yourself a two or three times raise. You know, you can retire yeah. sooner, all mm-hmm. of that. But the issue for me was it was adding way more stress than it was worth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's that's probably a good read. Where yeah, just because your dollar's stretching out further, but now you got more. <laughs> more problems to deal with that yeah. the trade-off's not that well but okay so you're you're back in in the u.s for now and then how's that <laughs> how 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 has that shift been amazing man the u.s is freaking awesome <laughs> i think i think when you like when yeah. you i've always thought that like i've never kind of been one of these people that's ashamed to be an american yeah, ashamed to be american that's <laughs> yeah, never ever ever been me and i think that's because you know my dad got here when he was four yeah, my mom was the first generation in her family that was born here. So yeah. m- my family is pretty recent immigrants. So there is nothing but love for this country, really, in my family. Yeah. Whereas I, I don't know. It seems like people that have been here three or four generations, there's like a lot of uh, white guilt. 
Oh no! Oh no! For sure. Like being a first generation like immigrant as well. Like both my parents are from the Philippines. It's always funny to me hearing how people are like, oh yeah, America sucks. I was like, have you been anywhere else? Do you understand like yeah. what <laughs> what what the definition of you know a bad or like a bad environment is? It's like, but yeah, that's the thing. It's like you know people people get spoiled like here, especially if their if their worldview is kind of narrow. But yeah, it happens. You you tend to forget like what it is that you actually have. Yeah. Yeah. But it, for me, I'm, you know, I love it here. So it's been a very quick adjustment because I just picked back up on habits that I had before I left. Mm-hmm. I live also, I live like two minutes away from like a Walmart and like, oh. like, a, like a Costco. So yeah. I can literally like, seriously, I leave and drive through one light and I'm in a Walmart parking lot. Nice. So I can <laughs> do like any kind of shopping for food or anything that I need with no effort at all. But, um, yeah, I don't know, and Amazon obviously delivers things to me in this location because I'm near Phoenix in, like, a day or less. Sometimes I can get things same day. So all the, the complaints that I may have had about Columbia are pretty much non-existent here. Yeah. Um, you haven't been robbed yeah. with a knife yet? <laughs> no, believe it or not, nobody yeah. has, like, stolen my phone, and I've, I've left my phone on, like, equipment in the gym. And, and like, nobody yeah. would ever, like, take a phone here, I don't think, really, unless it was, like, maybe the XR or something. But even then, not really, because yeah. here, even like people in poverty somehow have like a, at least an iPhone four, five, or six. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I yeah, like yeah, like you see uh, transient people, people with no homes, like with smartphones. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's not, it's it's not it's not as desperate like here for sure. But anyway, so back to the, I guess what you what what you've been up to. I mean, I know. Let's see, you uh, made an announcement that you're launching a website like uh, six days ago, right? Was it six days? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, last, I believe it was last Sunday, I went and launched a new website. Uh, you want me to talk about that? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, so basically, um, originally what I did is I created a website maybe five years ago called Powerlifting to Win. That was yep. my first real kind of like online venture. And what it essentially is is just a compendium and a collection of powerlifting knowledge that I had um, amassed over the years of competing. And my goal with it was really to kind of cut through a lot of the bullshit because at the time that I made that website, Mm -hmm. um, there was just no information about powerlifting. The general prevailing attitude was um, there's no money in it. There's no participants in it. Mm -hmm. And honestly, at the time, that might have been relatively true. But... Mm -hmm. Thanks to Instagram, everything to do with fitness has gone 10 to 100x what it was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I was just kind of right place, right time, and that website ended up blowing up. And at one point, you know, I was getting over a million unique visitors a year. Oh, damn. Yeah. So that kind of ended up providing me with the ability to live full time from the income that I was generating on that website and allowed me to basically be a full time lifter, although you can't really do that directly through lifting, like nobody pays you to win lifting competitions. Yeah. I mean they do, but like the biggest prize in the world is like maybe ten grand for certain things. Yeah, you're not getting a living wage, just winning. No, there was yeah, yeah there was actually I have to take that back because there okay. was a competition called oh, I don't know, I forget what it's called, but um but it's called the Kernis US Open and they had um a forty to fifty thousand dollar first prize. Oh first wow, prize. okay. That, was, that is pretty substantial. Yeah. Yeah, this was for um untested powerlifting. So basically okay. that means like anything goes as far as drug use. <laughs> and um um tested on the tested side of things at the Arnold Classic, which is Arnold Schwarzenegger's yearly festival. It's basically the biggest sports festival in the, in the entire world, actually. Yeah. Um, and there, I believe, it's, there's a, like a 10, 10 grand first place prize. So, yeah, I mean, theoretically, I guess, if you went first place at all the biggest competitions, and then there's things here and there, like record breakers contests, where you can get like five grand for breaking a world record. I guess if you are literally like the number one guy in the entire world and you can win every contest and break a record every time you compete, then yeah, maybe you can you can Yeah, make, just that. <laughs> yeah. Then maybe you can have a middle class income off yeah. just just maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But but nobody does that. So anyway. Yeah. Um I was pretty fortunate in, in, in the fact that it allowed me to essentially train full time and consider the training part of my job because uh, you know, tr- it was part of the marketing plan was to be good at it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
ended up doing that for many many years uh somewhere in the you know like i said fourth been was like three or four years and, and then i really lost a lot of steam um in that regard mm-hmm. uh just kind of lost passion for the sport um of, of powerlifting in in particular and there's a lot of reasons for that but i think probably the primary one if i'm just being honest is just the passage of time and growth as an individual um i've coached you know Oh, geez, probably over 300 athletes personally. Um, you know, I'm constantly involved with other coaches that also coach dozens, if not hundreds of athletes. I've got a base of anecdotes on the sport of powerlifting that's, you know, literally thousands of lifters. I have my own training where I've seen trends um, in performance and and whatnot for myself. I just had a very good idea of what was going to happen, exactly when it was going to happen, and how it was going to happen, and it, there was no longer really much of an intellectual challenge, and I also sort of felt that I saw the writing on the wall as far as um, how far I could take it. There was no longer that much mystery to me, because I'd been mm-hmm. exposed to so many people, and it's, it's really different than like a quote-unquote real sport, <laughs> Yeah, because it's 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 not quite a one attribute sport like for example um sprinting or something like a 100 meter dash which even then you could argue is not exactly one attribute because you have to have like good start technique and there's a little bit of you know skill involved with like pacing and changing lanes or whatever depending on how how it's structured but for the most part it's mainly attributes yeah it's just like who's the fastest you know what i mean so powerlifting is very similar to that. There's a minor skill component. Well, not that minor, actually, but it's still not substantial enough um, to override raw genetics. So it, it comes down to the squat, bench, and deadlift and how much weight you can lift on those lifts. Mm-hmm. And like I said, you know, I played with pretty much every variable out there, and I felt like I knew where the writing on the where where the ceiling was for me where it was going to be mm-hmm. if i put you know you have to keep in mind that i lifted weights for 10 years before ever um make coming to these conclusions so i'm not just some guy that decided to <laughs> yeah. live six months and then said you know what i'm at my natural limit <laughs> in six months yeah i've done enough this yeah. is it <laughs> it was it was not only 10 years of my own training but coaching other people, literally involved with world record holders, national competitors, international competitors. These people are my close friends. I know, I'm not trying to brag, but, you know, like, I know the who's who of the sports. I've heard their stories. Yeah. I know them, a lot of them personally. So, um, yeah, I just felt like I knew what, like, it was, it was, it had lost um, the mystery, yeah, it just got stale life. for you. Yeah. yeah, it definitely got stale for me. But the thing of the, the the thing of it was, I still love to train. That has never ever left. I love to train. I love to um, lift. Uh, I, I love to work. You know, that's <laughs> that's really what I like to do. <laughs> oh, so yeah. that never um, ever waned even slightly. And it was just kind of a matter of focusing it into something else. And I really spent years trying to find that and that that tends to be what happens to people i think in life too is just like you don't always when you don't have your thing you kind of can float from thing to thing until something sticks and um eventually what i ended up settling on was i wanted to go ahead and try the enhanced route so using um pds or performance enhancing drugs and the reason why i made that decision i mean there's so much that goes into it but i'll talk about kind of like the higher consciousness reasons for it. Um, but okay. yeah, the main thing was, is it was, it was the path where I just didn't know that that was okay. the main thing that attracted me. I just didn't know, yeah. didn't know what was possible. I had no idea. I didn't have the context, didn't have the reference experiences. And I mm-hmm. felt like honest to God, you know, if, if I died now, I would regret not seeing what that possibility is mm-hmm. because I felt like I knew naturally and maybe i was wrong and there's levels that i could have unlocked and whatnot but you know i I put 10 years into it which yeah yeah. you know you didn't put six months you put a substantial amount and also like 10 years you're not like casually doing it you're for for the most part you were aggressively pursuing something yeah Yeah, no and that's the part that people don't get sometimes like i train three times a day yeah (laughs) Uh, yeah. I have morning and a, I have AM sessions and PM sessions for weights. Then I have a noon session for cardio. I eat yeah. on a clock. You know, I sleep yeah. nine hours a day and have a 30-minute nap every day. Yeah. Like, my life is Groundhog's Day. So yeah. it's like, 
you can point to this one thing, but at the end of the day, like what I want to find out is what is the actual limit? No holds bar, because I felt like I knew what my limit would be with um, the qualification of being, you know, completely clean and natural. Mm-hmm. And it no longer excited me to pursue that just because for me, I, I want to see what's possible. That's one of the things that really drives me. And I felt like this would allow me to go to a new level. And it does for, you know, pretty much every athlete. Because let's be honest, performance-enhancing drugs work. That's why they're invented over 100 years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So that that was the main thing that drove me is just kind of the fear, honestly, of dying without seeing what's possible. Mm-hmm. And just that new challenge, essentially, like to see new, what's possible. A brand new challenge to see what's possible and a guarantee to go to, like, new absolute levels maybe not new relative levels because i feel like you know it's completely dishonest and misleading and even just idiotic to compare enhanced to unenhanced and be like look i'm better than i used to be well that doesn't matter it matters what your placing is relative to each group Mm -hmm. so like if you are 10th in the world and natural athletes and then you get better by some absolute margin being enhanced but now you're the thousandth that's not like an a great improvement <laughs> yeah but, you know what i mean like that's you went backwards but mm-hmm. th- it's also something that doesn't happen overnight which is another thing that's really cool is now there's this whole new journey to walk that i have to learn about and it's fascinating mm-hmm. um pharmacology alone is more complicated than anything that you will ever deal with in natural athletics oh yeah so those aspects really appeal to me, but also one thing that I want to be very honest about too, because I feel like so many people that do um, use performance enhancing drugs, especially intelligent people, uh, they tend to like try to make it seem like this saintly thing. At the end of the day, man, like I wanted to look better, be stronger, and get bigger, and yeah. uh, the, the drugs work. Yeah, they do that. Like they they make you way better at every physical thing, every single thing. Like there are no sub. 10 second 100 meter dashes natural mm. makes sense yeah people are not running sub three hour marathons naturally these things do not happen um yeah and so and honestly the more you get into the this culture and of, of like elite sport culture the more you realize that pretty much every single freaking one of these people with the with so few exceptions is using drugs so makes, makes sense. Yeah. So the people that you held up as like these icons, it doesn't invalidate it because a lot of times, you know, the the work ethic that they have is still number, you know, still comparable to anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not entirely, uh, you know, it, they're not, um, quote unquote, clean. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can you can see this in any sport. I mean, you can look at what happened. Oh, 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 definitely. Like, yeah, especially like, you know, in the sport of MMA, for sure. Like, I know, like, there's all this negative connotations about, you know, about performance enhancing drugs. But, you know, but my stance on it is that the drugs alone don't make you the better athlete. Like, it's, it's like it enhances you, but it enhances what you have already. Like, you can't, like you, especially in like terms of like skills, like timing, that 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 kind of things. I mean, yeah, maybe it kind of helps, but like the the at the core of it is still like an athlete like doing something or even something different, like like uh, the Tour de France, which is notorious for, or I guess cycling, which is notorious for the performance dancing drugs. The person still had to climb on the bicycle and do all that shit. It wasn't just the drugs that pushed them to do so. Yeah. No, yeah, and I think that's like that's kind of um, a discussion that people love to really focus on. Mostly people um, that don't even participate in the sport. I think yeah, they love or, to focus or don't on, even like, really train oh. seriously in anything. Yeah, yeah, like they love to focus on how much do the drugs help, and yeah. they help a tremendous amount. Yeah, but at, they, like like for especially in certain sports more than others, like there are no three hundred pound human beings at four percent body fat. Without drugs, what? That's you know not what I mean? natural. Like, that, <laughs> yeah, like there, yeah. The, there are no Ronnie Coleman's. Yeah, naturally. Okay, that's not ever going to happen. It gets a little more um, convoluted when we start talking about skill sports. But at the end of the day, like m- the most likely scenario is that if you took the top ten guys in the world and you made the, uh, you know everyone in the world clean, this is it's the same top ten. Mm-hmm. 
the only um, um, variable in there that can confound things is that response to drugs <laughs> is actually genetic. So oh, okay. there, there are some people that can take a bunch of drugs and they just don't work as well as for somebody else. And oh, you see this in bodybuilding all the time where um, people believe that the secret is the drugs. And so they will get on these amazing dose dosages that literally even the pros don't use, yeah, and um, get half of the results or less. Mm. And it's because again, at the end of the day, you just they don't have what what those guys were born with. Yeah, it's um, still roll the dice no matter yeah, what. Yeah, exactly. So there's that there's that aspect that can confound things, but um. I think especially in the particular sports that I'm involved in, which is like bodybuilding, powerlifting, general strength, it's it's a deeper part of the culture that uh, that is um, um that you you have to come to uh, the crossroads with because it's unlike say um, mixed martial arts or anything else, there is really not that skill component. Yeah, and and bodybuilding, there really is no skill component, mm-hmm. none. It mainly so, comes down to attributes, yeah. Yeah, so, um, again, it's kind of like you're either in going to be in one of the camps or the other, and um, the fact of the matter is is that, that enhanced athletes can just go so much further, and um, you, you don't know what's possible there until you try. Whereas, you know, I think almost uh, like the pinnacle in, in many other sports is – is skill itself like the the mastery of the skill itself is the point of the sport and there are no skill steroids and yeah like, i can't there's no high kick steroid and a yeah fucking jujitsu steroid or whatever yeah. and it's not just steroids by the way most um most elite athletes actually because a lot of the testing is in particular for steroids so they yeah. do other things they do human growth hormone and insulin yeah. and, and or blood EPO. yeah yeah and there's very reputable um, rumors now that actual genetic modifications are happening. How oh, damn! So already, so yeah. I mean, these—it's just a snowball that'll always keep rolling as long as there are societal and monetary rewards attached to winning sport. There will be people cheating, and they will be ahead of the people trying to catch them because the incentives are greater for cheating effectively than they are for catching basically people that end up becoming like national heroes and icons yeah and incentive wise for sure yeah, yeah. if the yeah. compensation's there yeah why why wouldn't you you know push the envelope it's it's always that escalation for sure yeah yeah so to bring i guess to bring it back around um the reason I made the new website was uh, twofold. One, because I wanted a little bit more freedom in the type of content that I was able to make. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make strictly powerlifting content anymore because I'm not strictly a powerlifter. So kind of rebranding under my own name allows me to talk about a lot of the stuff that I really like that uh-huh. isn't directly related to powerlifting, which is sports psychology, um, pharmacology, mm-hmm. um, uh, just any kind of topic that I really feel like is relevant to my readership and fan base, now I can talk about it without it being like weird. Like, hey, yeah. I'm on a powerlifting website. Why are you talking about um, Eastern philosophy? <laughs> yeah, and I, I can usually tie it back around and, and like show why it can be helpful. But yeah. it's just it's just kind of weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so kind of just expanding, I guess, like the the scope of, of yeah. what you're covering. And yeah. then the other part of it that was very important to me is that I wanted to give like full transparency into the journey, starting from like day one, because no, that doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, the, there's no record of that. Yeah, yeah, nobody, which is weird in the social media age. Maybe maybe somebody's done it, and I just don't know about it. I, I don't pretend to know. The internet, it's too big of and dark of a place. But no but, no one that well known though. Yeah, because it's all it's all speculation. Like people yeah. say like this guy does three hundred milligrams of this of this drug a day and then they no, they say this Okay. Back again. Alright, so anyway you were saying so I'm sorry we cut off, but um you're talking about people's like people keeping records yeah so um in uh, for for very good reasons people are not honest about what they do because in many countries many peds are not legal 
<laughs> so there's that. There's also the fact that like when you're open about it, it reduces the amount of sponsorships that you can get drastically. Mm. So a lot of people avoid that because, you know, especially in bodybuilding, the main way that people make these monies is by hawking these shitty supplements through sponsorships. So can you hear me still? Yes, I can still hear you. Right, yeah, so they don't want to talk about it. And the other thing is that it's also considered like their competitive advantage. Um, you know, their their pharmacology is, is almost like considered one of the primary components. So it's almost, um, you know, people don't want to give away, at least in the past, sometimes people haven't wanted to give away their exact diet, their exact training program, because they think mm. that their competitors will get some kind of an edge from seeing it and then, you know, extracting value or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's even bigger mystery around the pharmacology. And then on top of that, a lot of people make their living and huge amounts of money, huge amounts of money from giving people protocols to follow so they don't want to talk about it openly and nobody really knows what anybody's really doing because everyone thinks that everybody's lying (laughs) uh, (laughs) everyone thinks everybody's lying saying also they don't want to encourage like younger kids to do irresponsible things and use irresponsible dosages right Mm -hmm. so there's so much that goes into it a lot of good reasons that people wouldn't want to be open or talk about it but at the end of the day, it ends up creating a big problem because there's just so much misinformation that people just end up latching on to whatever their personal biases tell them is true. Mm. So what I wanted to do was um, record and track everything, show my blood work you know, to show how it's impacting my health, um, just give full transparency of exactly what I'm doing so that people can see for themselves the truth of at least what what happened to my body and my performance and what I used to make it happen, exactly what happened. Because I'm not worried about becoming Mr. Olympia or whatever. You know, if somebody wants to copy exactly what I do, that's that's totally fine. It's not going to be ideal for them. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, because every sport has different needs. Every individual has different needs. But at least there isn't this shroud of mystery. Yeah, like a secrecy kind of thing, like hiding. Exactly. And I personally have always believed, you know, in like the freedom of information and especially that people will make better choices if you give them all the information versus like trying to protect them by not giving them information. That doesn't work. Yeah. It's like abstinence campaigns for like years. No. Guys, just don't do it. Okay, cool. Yeah, exactly. That's going to stop people. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So instead, you know, I want to provide the truth and um, give, you know, literally 100% direct access in, into that. So recording everything that I eat, everything that I take, when I take it, why I'm making changes, again, like quarterly, maybe even um, every two months, my blood work so we can see what's happening to my heart, my liver, kidneys, all that type of stuff. Um, what adjustments I'll make to stay as healthy as possible. Just t- take the mystery out of it. Yeah. Make it real. Make it less scary and mythological and like diabolical. Yeah. And just make it a real thing because at the end of the day, people have to understand that athletes are doing these things, and there's a ton of interest in it. So why not? You know, I'm I made sure I took the correct legal precautions. Um. And, you know, I probably should say that right now that, you know, that anything that I'm saying is purely for uh, education and entertainment purposes only and nothing I say is advice. I'm not a medical doctor and I do not encourage anyone to break the laws of this land or any other. But, um, yes, yeah, creation philosophy does not is where, yeah, we're, we're not giving medical advice here to people. Yeah, not at all. So that is, um. Yeah, I guess that's kind of where I stand on that. Uh, but I didn't really tie that in as neat of a bow as I had hoped. But yeah, the goal was, you know, rebrand under my own name a little bit to give myself more freedom and to room to expand into other areas, and then also provide what, in my mind, is a very unique insight of uh, of an enhanced athlete with full transparency. And not just only showing the good parts or, you know, using scare tactics or um, shock imagery. My goal is to show everything, even the boring stuff, 
so that if somebody ever wanted to go back and track the whole thing, there'd be a written record of every last thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the transparency and honesty would be there for them to make an informed decision for themselves. And um, also to just have something that they can point to when people are spouting off BS and be like, nope, look, that that was my goal. Um, I don't think anyone else is doing it, and I, I think it'll be really cool as long as I – you know, maintain it for a good five to ten years because that's what mm-hmm. it's going to take another, you know, another five to ten years to because I'm basically going into a new sport. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. That I mean, that's real fascinating. Like for sure. Just uh, and I think the biggest thing is that you're, you know, approaching it with you know a very, um, you know, with a very focused and also informed um, outlook on it. Like uh, especially from like. Like you, like like you're saying, like just it's just so filled with, um, with you know with, with secrets and you know shrouded mystery, but just kind of unveiling that to people who really who you know might not have an, any other way of like of knowing knowing these kind of facts. Yeah, yeah definitely because uh, this is the and this is the problem when you make um make things illegal that really don't hurt anybody else is you end up with um, black markets and even information at that point becomes black market material. Yeah. So now what we have is a situation where how people learn about performance enhancing drugs, they, they listen to people who are not qualified to talk about it. Like, yeah, frankly, like, like the Joe Rogan podcast or yeah. even worse, you know, they go on get and listen to, yeah big steroid Ron 37 to talking about, you know, his, his cycle. Yeah. And because he's big, they, or his, we don't even know his avatar picture on the forum is big. Yeah. He must know what he's talking about. Exactly. So it's like dubious sources at best. Like, yeah, from there. exactly. It's, and, and so, you know, I want to make sure that I'm providing an intelligent and meticulous record of what's actually happening and and somebody that's at least made an effort to do the yeah. research, because the fact yeah. of the matter is, is that most of the, the the real medical information on a lot of these compounds can only be found in like out of date physicians' handbooks before they were um, turned into scheduled drugs. Yeah. So I guess okay. Well, that brings up a good point then. So then, how how did well knowing that you're very thorough, like so, how did you research? You know, or how are you researching? Like these kind of you know pharmaceuticals or like drugs that you're that that you're using, like what yeah. was the resource for you? Yeah. So I mean, there's a couple levels to that. Um, number one is you got to keep in mind that I've been involved in strength sports for ten years. Mm-hmm. So I not a beginner. Yeah. Yeah, a, a good five to ten percent of my clientele has always been enhanced athletes in the first place. Okay. So it's not like my first rodeo. Um, and then again, I know I'm friends with just countless people that um, have mm-hmm. gone down that path. So my uh, database of anecdote is already very big, very, very big. Now, on top of that, there are some basic resources that I would encourage. Like like I said, out-of-date physicians' handbooks can um, tell you about the properties of many of these things before they were um, turned into scheduled drugs. And they have, like, the actual information from medical professionals, not BigRon37 on steroidforum.com. And then... One book I would recommend to everybody who's interested in this is Anabolics by William Ewellen. Uh, you can find it on you can find one of the editions on Amazon on Kindle for like nine ninety nine. It's an absolute steal. Uh, and then the other part of it is, is there's just really no way around having a basic background in chemistry. Mm-hmm. So you know because at the end of the day, um, anabolic androgenic steroids are all derivatives of testosterone. They're modified on some chemical level. So, for example, they can be methylated and turned into an oral. Um, they can be modified at certain carbon positions. So 19 nor steroids, such as trenbolone and um, nandrolone, also known as DECA, are modified at the 19th carbon position. There's also DHT derivatives, dihydrotestosterone, um, which is a metabolite of testosterone. And all of these things are basically engineered chemically at, you know, that... Uh, literally at that level, at the atomic level like that, to be um, completely different compounds, but they're all based off of testosterone. So you have to understand what's happening 
on a chemical level, on the structure of the actual chemical, uh, or, you know, you're just full of shit. So, <laughs> and that's kind of how it works with steroids, is a lot of people are just full of shit. And they go, uh, this steroid does this, this steroid's good for weight loss, this steroid's good for adding weight quickly, but... Mm-hmm. In reality, um, all steroids, all anabolic and androgenic steroids, essentially do the same things to varying different degrees. They have slightly different properties because of the way they're chemically altered, but uh, that makes them better choices for certain individuals at certain times. But at the end of the day, the goal of all of them is really to, uh, for an athlete to increase performance through enhanced um, protein expression. So... Yeah, I mean, again, it, it comes down to, like I said, knowing some real-world practical things, what athletes are already doing. Because you have to keep in mind, athletes are always ahead of the studies because yeah. they're on the front lines. They're in the trenches. Yeah. And um, their checks and livelihoods depend on doing things that work. Mm-hmm. A funny story, you know, when <laughs> steroids were first coming into the, the limelight, they actually released many peer-reviewed studies that said that they don't increase performance. <laughs> wow amazing stuff right and uh yeah. even earlier than that in the 60s and 70s they <laughs> there were um surveys done where doctors said that smoking didn't affect your health so nice. look just at the end of the day uh i'm not here to shit on science because it's the best the best tool that we've got but athletes are always ahead of the curve mm-hmm. now the problem is, is that athletes often don't know why what they're doing is working Mm-hmm. And sometimes it works in sp- – th- things just work in spite of what they're doing because they're so gifted. Yes. So that's where you need the science to cut through the bullshit. Yeah. And um, I, like I said, at the end of the day, there's just no way around having some basic chemistry knowledge if you're mm-hmm. going to do that properly. So for me, you know, it's been years really of putting together kind of the framework of understanding – on, of both biology and chemistry to, to have a greater understanding of how these things impact the body and then knowing real world what athletes are actually doing and what they tend to actually see because all the theories in the world don't mean shit if it doesn't pan out the way you would expect for, for athletes in the real world. Yeah. But I don't know. It's just like anything else. You know, there, there's no way really around practical and theoretical understanding. Like, if you you know if I could bring it into um, like a mixed martial arts paradigm, like say you take two people, um, one of them you get them he you you give him no instruction ever, and you just tell him to grapple constantly. Yeah. And, and then another guy, you never allow him to grapple ever, but you let him watch every the greatest instructional videos from all of the best teachers in the world ever. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you pit those two people against each other. Well, the person that does nothing but grapple is going to win. But at the end of the day, if you took somebody that did both, they'll kick both of their ass. Yeah. So, it's like taking the best of both, like getting the instruction and then also getting the practical notion. I think that I think that's a big thing because, like you said, due to the legality of it, a lot of people aren't even able like to uh yeah, to even like try the practical use of this because of how it's shrouded on the, you know, black market and other sources. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So the yeah, I, I, the point that I really want to make there is just at the end of the day, there's no substitute for just learning. And learning yeah. is a multi multifaceted process of mm-hmm. both practical and theoretical applications. It's just like anything else. Yeah, you, you have to put in the time and fuck up and see for yourself. Yeah, yeah, you, you gotta you gotta put it in. Yeah, and it's no difference with this. Not not at all. It's just you know there's uh, can be more consequences, but uh, it, not to the um not to the degree that I think people kind of assume. You know, you can <laughs> death. Over, you can overdose on a bottle of aspirin. You cannot yeah. overdose on a bottle of testosterone. So, yeah, I think that's that's basically how I would I would answer that is uh you know how do you make sure you're doing the right thing? Well, you you don't. <laughs> I don't know. Like you, just, you sometimes you gotta fuck up and say, yeah. And so you realize, oh wait, that was because you're almost. I mean, it's not comp- you're kind of almost. I mean, it's not a completely unfounded territory, but it's mainly you know, it's territory you haven't been through before, and that 
you really don't know how your body's going to respond until you put it in that situation. Yeah, and it, and honestly, it's it's the same with literally everything in life. Like, we, I could go back to the aspirin example and talk about, you know, how, like, some people have an allergic reaction to, like, half of one pill that makes it so they can't have the thing, right? And other people can be, in certain cases, the drugs, complete non-responders. And yeah. in medical literature, they're very aware of this. And there's even, like, placebo effect where you have to do a double-blind controlled study giving people fake drugs to make sure that um, the reason why the drug worked is because it actually works and people just weren't expecting it to work because that's how strong placebo is, is that yes. if somebody expects something to work, it does. And the same thing is true of steroids, actually. You can give people fake steroids and they'll get a certain degree of gains because yeah. they believe that they're real. Yeah, because so, they believe it's working. Yeah. Yeah, and and then and then on top of that, there is actual individual response. Like some people are legitimately allergic to certain types of food. Some people it they just seem to do better with certain types of food. So there's that with the actual compounds themselves, and then there's the dosages as well. So you there's even if you have all of the theoretical understanding in the world, you still have to titrate things based on your blood work, how you're feeling, side effects, etc. And that can only be done in real life. <laughs> yes, like the practical application, yeah. like from there. Yeah, that's what I like about you, man. You're like the most sophisticated bro science guy out there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I have like a. It's it's funny because I'm not one of these guys with like a PhD. So I was I I came at it from a completely different perspective, yeah. which is like the athlete's perspective. Yeah. I learned about it with the goal of application for performance enhancement, whereas most of the people that do actually credibly talk about these things, like credibly, yeah, came at it from um, they come at it from a medical perspective, yeah, not the sports performance perspective. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny because like you know, bro science is responsible for a lot of dumb shit. Yes, it's also ironically responsible for. Um, the forefront of many things as well, just depending on how you define bro science because yeah. uh, elite athletes and the people that they work with are the ones that are pioneering the uh, the protocols that are taking people to championships. Yeah. It's not yeah. PhDs. <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah. Well, I think it just goes to, you know, uh, the limits of academia because like you said that it's a lot, it's, it's different stakes for the athletes. Like they have to perform. Like it's it's not a matter of like oh like how is this doing medically. I would say like if you go it from it like a, let's say like a, like a business perspective, right? Like who's gonna be richer? Like the person that teaches like I don't microeconomics at a college or someone that actually tried to you know start a business like from there just in that you know that base like theory versus practice kind of thing it's like the mm -hmm. guy who's actually going there trying to do stuff ends up i mean they might end up you know poorer for sure but like the the people that actually end up like knowing what actually works are the people that are trying to do it in practice from there yeah and it's just a matter of you know doing things as intelligently as possible which is where some athletes fuck up um yeah they don't take their health seriously enough and they, they just focus on the performance, which is why sometimes they can't really be trusted. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. they might find out what works, but they don't give a shit that their body is disintegrating. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just adding a little bit of uh, basic respect for yourself. <laughs> go a long way. Because trust me, I've heard of some just ridiculous, ridiculous things. But um, yeah, I think that's that's kind of where I want to come in is is show how this can be done intelligently and maybe in the long run, you know, our generation will grow up and there'll be less fear mongering and scare tactics around this yeah. issue. It'll and it'll probably you know I think it'll eventually go down the road the the route of legalization much much like marijuana and even mushrooms in Denver. I mean, you know, our generation is just not as afraid of these things. So yeah. Yeah, there's just less stigma and just more open experimentation, like yeah. for it. Because, like you said, there's like, there's a there's a myriad of other things in life that are way more dangerous. Like, like you said, like aspirin. You can, and I mean, you can make drugs out of cough medicine. Really, it's like, 
Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy out there. Like cleaning chemicals that like fry your fucking brain and get you high. So I just yeah, and you know what? There's forums and stuff for that too. Like so, yeah. it, you know, this is a hardly um unheard of. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So yeah, okay. Well, I think I think the answer is like pretty thoroughly like what what you're doing with with the site, and I guess like just how. How has that been? Well, I know you're real, you know, what first week into into it, but how has, I guess, like how how has like the discovery? How is that? How's that gone for you? Like, has it made it like, has it bro- broken the staleness? Oh, definitely. Like right now, I am um, as happy with uh, my personal training as I've been in years. You know, definitely feeling incredibly motivated, um, on point, on purpose. So I've been extremely happy with that also you know you know just it gives me a reason again to go to train as hard as i'm training because like i said you know i I am at this point i train monday through saturday i force myself to take at least one day off but um the rest of the days you know i'm training really twice a day with um, a cardio session on top of that as well so bodybuilders typically will consider cardio training i don't really know but um Especially when it's like 120 beats per minute heart rate type stuff. It's literally just purely for caloric burn. It's not like we're actually trying to improve any type of aerobic capacity or anything. So, yeah, training twice a day, six days a week. I'm sure you know how that goes. Um, mm-hmm. It can be brutal, and if there's not meaning in it, it, it just burns you to the ground pretty fast. Oh, definitely. Yeah, if you're just going through the motions. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's it can be agonizing, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah absolutely. purpose is good. Yeah, and right now I'm definitely I'm um, just very excited about it because yeah, I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I really don't know exactly how my body will respond. I don't know how quick it will be. I don't know to what extent. I don't know what problems will come up. So it's a complete mystery. Um, and there's a lot to process, and I'm just learning a ton every day. So it's been an incredible like leap forward for me as far as um just personal growth and and self-development on a daily basis so i'm really actually quite happy with it on the personal level uh as far as the site growth i don't know if you were asking about that but uh yeah yeah i wasn't really asking but you can talk about it yeah oh yeah Uh, because you're talking about like the discovery and i was like oh i don't well it's really, yeah, again, it's only been the first week, but I think there's, there's like 30, 30 plus people so far that are in, in there in the membership area. So that's been pretty cool. Um, you know, long term, I'd like to get it to the point where it, it's basically the only thing I do. Mm-hmm. So right now I, I still do a lot of one-on-one coaching, mm-hmm. which is my primary source of income. And, um, eventually I'd like to just have that replaced by the by the membership side entirely which should be pretty cool because then what it allows me to do is literally just monetize um my own existence you know (laughs) my my training and what i'm doing and just you know giving out um educational background on what i'm personally doing would end up being um everything that i do which means that i can be really as close to a, a you know a professional athlete as possible because right now I got to wear multiple hats I'm I'm an athlete but I'm also a coach and a business owner and I'd like to get it to the point where I can start taking off some of the other hats mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I can yeah. be an athlete basically because that's that's really all I care about <laughs> <laughs> yeah getting back to you know what what you did in the first place yeah just yeah. wanting to get, pretty much get paid to train yeah exactly okay and then I guess like with that, with with that training, like do you have? I mean, I know it's hard to set goals and and um, you know when you're when you're starting out, you're not quite sure where you're going. But like, do you have any um, any like particular particular things you wanna you wanna hit in like a, like a certain amount of time or some things that you're thinking about that you think are possible, like goal wise? Not really. So. Um... I don't know. I tend to avoid a lot of the the outcome based type goals uh, these days. Mm-hmm. So my real goal is for I I, I am going to do a um, a powerlifting meet here in the next six months. But my goal for that is basically to have um, as perfect of a preparation as possible, mm. and then I the results will take care of themselves. Mm. So 
you know, um, I don't have any particular numbers in mind, especially because I just don't have a context to set them. Yeah. So it's just like whatever happens, happens. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually totally okay with that because for me, the, the actual fun of it is is answering constantly answering the question how can i be better mm. that's the fun of it for me anyway like yeah. I, and um no i think it's a great mindset of it because i think i think you mentioned that in like an earlier like one of your instagram posts but yeah like the different like you a key thing that beginners do is that they make it all outcome based and then if they don't succeed or they don't get the outcomes that they want then they consider it a failure or they consider it not doing as well yeah, and I mean, really simply to restate that without getting into my whole spiel, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you do everything that you can to get better and you get to a certain level, but you wanted to get further, it doesn't matter because by definition, you did everything that you could. Now, will you ever be perfect? I don't think so, but that's why you focus on the inputs instead of the fact that you didn't get to the output because – by maximizing the inputs, you maximize the output anyway because the, the bottom line is you don't have control over the output. Yes. A really simple way to think of it would be like, I don't know, height or something, right? If you wanted yeah. to grow as tall as possible or you're 12 years old, yeah. all you can do is focus on getting enough sleep, eating the right foods, and doing what you can. But at the end of the day, there's a black box that where like these inputs get processed through your genetics and your environment that determine the final result. Well, athletics is exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. You don't, you can't will the black box to be different. All yeah. you can do is give it better inputs. So, you know, the more quality inputs that you, that you give, the better the output is. So you might as well focus on perfecting the process of the, of the input versus, um, you know, rigidly attaching yourself to whatever outcome. Because the other thing is possible, too, where you, you undershoot. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have actually failed to become as good as they can because they don't they you know are held back by limiting beliefs surrounding outcomes actually because mm. you know they're so focused on um, what it would mean if X Y Z happened that that they don't just keep grinding away at improving that process. Yeah, so, I've also had plenty of times where I vastly surpassed goals that I've set and times where I felt where I came woefully short and uh, the efforts were pretty much equated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, no, I just don't know. You know, I don't have any super particular goals. There are some things that I feel like I do have full control over that are goals for me. Um, I'm trying to make sure that I stay in a range of about 8 to 13% body fat um, going forward as it just keeps me... Because what I'd like to do is compete uh, as a dual, like dual sport, but... <laughs> <laughs> as a bodybuilder and a powerlifter, which is uh-huh. really, which is really n- neither of those are sports. So, whatever yeah. dual contest <laughs> athlete, yeah, dual competition, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that is a goal of mine because that's completely in my control. Okay. Um, and then getting on the platform in in six months, that's a goal. Uh, also, completely in my control. You know, assuming I don't get hurt. And then, other than that, as I want as much. I want to you know, be as perfect as possible in my process. So, you know, there's many things that I track there. Uh, I track my sleep. I track my macronutrition, which would include calories, carbs, proteins, fats. I track my micronutrition, vitamin A, vitamin C, the various B vitamins, calcium, magnesium, copper, omega-3 to omega-6 ratios. All of these things I track meticulously in a log. Um, I have targets that I expect to hit every single day for those things. Uh, I obviously want to be beyond question to miss a training session. Um, so those are the things that I that I like to track is uh, things that I have complete control over. What I eat, when I eat it, how much I sleep, um, did I do my training, did I give my training my best effort. Mm-hmm. I don't like to focus as much on I want to bench press 400 pounds. Uh, yeah. I want to improve my bench press by as much as possible. Yeah. My goal is to improve my bench press as much as possible. I don't know what the final number is, but I'll be pleased with um, any uh, any effort that I consider, you know, worthy. <laughs> that's yeah. that's what I'm really judging my success off of. Is um, did I try hard enough? Yeah. And uh, you know, am I walking the right path? 
that's really what I care about. It's less about getting to some um, final destination, particularly at this point in time where I just I just don't even have the context. <laughs> it would be a little different if it was like a world record or something that I was chasing. Yeah. I, I think that could be um, one of those kind of exceptions where having some specific outcomes could be really, really helpful, especially yeah. because when you're at that level, um, for most people anyway, yeah. it, it requires this, the same thing. Yeah. Getting a world, becoming a world champion or setting a world record is the exact same thing as perfecting the process because that's what it requires to be the best at yeah, the yeah. Be- having the best process. Yeah. Yeah. So they're equivalent, right? And then, and then having that specific outcome allows for better visualization, better focus. I think um, more obsession. So they can be useful in that respect sometimes. But right now, I just I don't have anything particularly like that. I do have objective metrics, like I said, you know, the body fat thing, competing within six months. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to average uh, eight and a half hours of sleep for the next six months. Mm-hmm. Um, hit my macro my macro and micronutrient uh, targets over 95% of the time. You know, these are all things that are completely in my control that I track, and those are where I really set my goals because I figure, you know, if I do those perfectly, I'm going to get as much progress as I can anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense, and that's, I mean, and, and that's good because that focus on the process, that transcends that, you know, not just what you do but really anything that anyone could do if whatever they're they're pursuing because yeah it's almost if you're if you're so outcome based then you're forgetting like what what actually matters which is you know the effort organization the controlling things you can you get only worrying about the things you can you can control because at the end of the day the outcome is really beyond beyond that you can only control the the yeah the the variables that yeah you can only control the variables that at, at hand like from there and I think that happens with like a lot of a lot of things that you know any anyone can do so it's not just in I guess powerlifting bodybuilding you know mixed martial arts or like any and any sort of like training or any sort of uh, like skill or craft that people want to want to get at I think. It relates. It relates to that, like really looking at your process and what you're doing w- with your effort, and um, yeah, just various things that are within your control that you're trying to focus on. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. I, you know, I think the the path to mastery in the broader sense is the same for pretty much everything. Yeah, uh, the specifics are obviously wildly different, but the broader the broader process, if you will, is the same. Yeah, and and I, yeah, that goes with that. You know that sports psychology, and I just always remember like our conversations talking about, you know, elite like elite performers, and it's, I, I mean, well, Matt, like there's there's just some out out um, let's see what what's the word? Uh, yeah, there's just some outlines that you can see from like elite performers like in in any field that just transcends like not exactly what they're doing, but how how they got to that point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there just doesn't really seem to be any way around um, slowly getting better for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that's can, it. You can yeah. use all these fancy words and shit, but that's kind of what it comes down to is that you slowly yeah. get better over a really long time. And there's, and it's funny because you can even have somebody give you the exact formula on day one, and you're just not capable of following it. Yeah. You're just no, not. For, for sure. It's Yeah, it took us. I mean, I know it took me a long time to realize, like, oh, hey, it is as simple as, yeah, show like, showing up, uh, putting, like, putting in the effort, and, yeah, just, like, oh, it's just going to take time and effort. That's pretty much the biggest thing that I can control, and that's how I get better, like, from there. I was like, there's there's no magic that's going to happen in, like, in, in between, yeah. Yep, there's no secret sauce. There's no secret technique that gives you a 10% boost from one day to the next. And, uh, uh, yeah, that takes, that's one of the hardest ones. I, I think it's just so, because, you know, we're just so, um, especially beginners, that you kind of, like, you want to find, like, that, you know, that, the secret sauce, the magic bullet, the, uh, and you think, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe Maybe there's a way, but yeah, like once you're so, once you become a doctor in something, you realize like, oh no, it really just comes down to 
yeah, time and time and effort. That's it. <laughs> like really, yep. I mean, not, that's not it, but that's uh, the critical components that are going to move you forward. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there are certain techniques or whatever with every sport that work better than others, but you end up discovering that for yourself if you dedicate yourself to the process anyway. Mm-hmm. You know that that comes up, it, but what people think of it, it really is, is that there's an actual secret that <laughs> once you find it out, it just changes everything. Yeah, and no, no, and yeah, and and like we said, like on the previous podcast, there's like. Especially with how with how deep we are in like the respective fields, there's no like the, there's no big percentage changes now. I mean, maybe, but but even for you, like with like in in the real, I guess like it's not completely new, but there's like new elements that you're adding, but you're not expecting like incredible, you know, like I don't know, twenty like like percent changes in what in whatever you're doing. Well, yeah. ironically, I am, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is the it is the one instance where actually that is the case. It's but yeah. like I said though, that's in absolute terms, not relative terms. Yeah, not not like oh from like what I mean like from the yeah. one day to the next. Not like oh all of a sudden it's all gonna connect and then yeah, yeah. there. I mean yeah, yeah. It's, you, have, you have a more like uh, realistic view of how those changes do occur. Yeah, it'd be like it'd be like racing or something, right? And you go from one vehicle, uh, you're in a sport with one vehicle, and you go to a like an, a different. Uh, it's still a racing sport, but the vehicle's more powerful. And you're yeah. like, look, I got 20% faster. Well, you're doing a different fucking sport. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind yeah. of like, what it, that's what it's like for me right now. Okay. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I think that's, yeah, I agree with everything that you're saying there. Yeah. No, no, for sure. And I think, uh, yeah, I think that compounds pretty nicely. Um, any, I guess, I guess might as well, like, do some... Uh, any any last words for you, or I guess like link a link to your website, some some other things that's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if you guys are interested in following along with what I'm currently doing, um, you can follow me on Instagram. It's just at Izzy Narvez, I Z Z Y N A R V A E Z, and then my website is exactly the same thing. It's uh, IzzyNarvez.com. And uh, there you can find, you know, any of my content on training, which is all, it's all going to be around kind of hypertrophy and strength-based training. Um, and then there will also be stuff about sports psychology and um, performance-enhancing drugs on that website. So if that's something that tickles your fancy you want to learn more about, feel free to, you know, come on over and uh, be happy to have you, you check out what I do. Nice. Yep. I'm glad that you spelled it, you know, not... So the Israel Norch has the, the <laughs> situation is happening again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or Paco. Yeah. Yeah. Paco. Peace signs. Peace, Peace signs. signs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. yeah. Just some good time. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. But yeah. But yeah. Hey. Thank. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Yeah. That's and yeah. No. No problem. Thank. Thanks, listeners. Yeah. Go ahead. Check out Izzy stuff if you're interested in that. And I guess if you made it like this far, I guess. You're kind of interested in this podcast, so I guess you can go. I have a website, www.pancreationphilosophy.com. Uh, link to the podcast is also there. Also, link to a Patreon page, selling t shirts, you know, just usual merch stuff. I don't, know. I don't know who's even listening at this point. But yeah, good. Check that out. But yeah, thank you for your time. Uh, later, everybody. Bye. Peace.